summoned the Scream Writers Podcast, the premier podcast welcoming both veteran and up-and-coming horror screenwriters slay their craft. <laughs> and now your hosts, Ariel Relaford and Patrick Mediate. Oh my god, that new theme song <laughs> is incredible. Yeah, Jason did a fantastic job. Wow, would yeah. it, what better to get you in the horror holiday spirit than yes. some dissonant sleigh bells and, and church bells? <laughs> Creepy, it was like, it was a cross between tubular bells and like, you know, <laughs> here comes creepy Santa Claus. Yes. It's going to be a weird holiday season this year with everyone in quarantine but like we just had thanksgiving i cannot believe this year has come this far like i am freaking stuffed right (laughs) i'm still like i i because the weird thing about quarantine thanksgiving is i got food from five different households because everybody's delivering it delivered everything but like everybody just figured everybody needed food so they just everybody just showed up delivering at everybody else's houses but there was no coordination there so i ended up with (laughs) turkey from five different households who all thought i wasn't going to (laughs) eat so you just straight up had turkey pretty much and straight up potatoes (laughs) straight up turkey i'm a turkey connoisseur now oh my goodness how was your thanksgiving it was good it was pretty calm I didn't have to cook because mm. my mother-in-law is, she wants to be the one in the kitchen doing everything and then complains about her feet hurting, mm-hmm. <sighs> but she won't let you help. It was yeah. good. It was yeah. fun. I have a uh, Thanksgiving night tradition. It's a weird one. And my Thanksgiving oh night tradition is that I watch a Christmas horror movie. Ooh. Not just any Christmas horror movie, but I watch Krampus. To get, to get myself in the mood for the horror holiday season, do you watch any horror holiday or horror Christmas hybrid movies? It's this strange niche genre of film that you have to belong to like the special horror Christmas horror holiday club. Yeah, to even know what they are. Yeah, of course. I know tons of great horror holiday movies. Silent Night, <laughs> Deadly Night, Black Christmas. There are some great yes, horror always. holiday movies. Yeah. Gremlins. Gremlins? Gremlins. Yes, Gremlins is 100% a horror holiday movie. There is a Mm -hmm. scene, literally a scene in that movie, where a woman gets killed around the Christmas tree. I think Silent Night is playing or something. It's fun, and I wish there were more mashups. I don't know whoever came up with the idea of merging Christmas and horror, but I, I think whoever that is is extremely smart. And our guest today is one such person and no better way to kick off the horror holiday season than with our guest today, PJ Starks, who is coming out with a Christmas horror movie called The 13 Slays Till Xmas. What a title. Yeah, you can't have a better name than that. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Well, the film's not out yet. But I found it while I was searching uh, my Facebook feed and it just popped up because I'm friends with some horror folk. But PJ Starks, he is a horror writer, director, producer, and editor and a horror aficionado. He does it all. His horror writing credits include the 2015 anthology film Volumes of Blood, its 2016 sequel Volumes of Blood Horror Stories, and most recently he wrote and produced the upcoming film 13 Slays Till Xmas. I'll give you the synopsis. On December 24th, five seemingly random men 
are invited to a dive bar by a mysterious email. They decide to pass the time by resurrecting the old tradition of telling scary stories on Christmas Eve. As each take turns spinning yarns of Yuletide terror, it becomes evident they may be harboring a dark, deadly secret. The film consists of 13 Christmas-themed stories of merry mayhem from a handful of directors, including PJ, among many more. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show PJ Starks. Hey, PJ. Hi, PJ. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all the the kind words. Absolutely. We are <laughs> stoked to have you as our first uh, horror holiday guest. Yes. yes no yes, pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. Um, and None. with and with the holidays upon us, there's there's this niche subgenre of horror holiday crossover films like Silent Night, Deadly Night. We mentioned some of these during our um, intro today. Krampus. Now, Thirteen Slays Till Xmas. W- what was the appeal to you? writing a Christmas horror crossover film, and and what do you feel is the appeal of Christmas horror crossover films as a whole? First of all, the last two films that I've done were um, holiday-themed anthologies with Volumes of Blood centered mostly on Halloween, and then when we did Volumes of Blood horror stories, that too mostly centered on Halloween, but it also got a few other holidays in there, such as Christmas, Father's Day, a birthday, which is kind of a personal holiday for most people. So by by centering it around these different holidays, it kind of adds elements that are personal to people, because not everyone can relate to being attacked by a monster, but most everyone can relate to something festive on a holiday. So when you kind of add those two together, it adds elements that may not necessarily be something that you've experienced in your lifetime, but you can relate to the holiday side of things. So that helps, I think, bring people into the story more. Talk a little bit about the process writing uh, 13 Days Till Christmas. Was it just you that wrote it or were there contributing writers or how did you go about it? Because I know there's different directors involved in each piece of the anthology, but talk to me a little bit about the writing process, how you approached it, who was involved, so on and so forth. When I initially came up with the concept, it was it was uh, it was literally a skeleton of an idea. I knew that it had to be on Christmas. And it had something to do with a group of characters and they were together. They were bringing back the tradition of telling scary stories on Christmas Eve. And that's how it becomes an anthology. But I didn't really have the rest of that story kind of flesh out. So the main reason for doing it was because it was something that we that we could do uh, quick and cheap and it would just be fun and not have all the stressors that maybe you tend to have. At least we thought at the time. Um, um, so, so by the time that I decided, okay, let's move forward on 13 Slays Till Christmas, I had fully fleshed out the idea where it was on Christmas Eve and this group of individuals were brought together by a mysterious email into like a local dive bar and they decide to resurrect the old tradition of telling scary stories on Christmas Eve to kind of pass the time and they make a uh, like a, a bar, ga- bar game out of it. And whoever tells the least two best stories to them uh, would have to pay the bar tab. At that time, I didn't know what the, what the other stories would be. That's just the wraparound. 
the whole structure itself was dependent on the fact that each one had to tell two stories because then you have 12 stories total with the 13th story being the wraparound. So you have 13 slaves. So by the time you get to the end of the film, their story plays out and you kind of realize they're all harboring this dark secret and there's a big twist and everything. Eric Huskison and myself, he's, he's my business partner with Blood Moon Pictures and my producing partner. We kind of sat down and we said, okay, uh, you know, now, now we have to reach out to different filmmakers. Originally, I wanted to have 13 filmmakers. We ended up getting a couple more because we, we kind of tacked on an, an extra faux trailer and, and things of like that. So there's really... And there, and then someone ended up co-directing one of the segments with another director. So ultimately, there's 15 directors on the project, but uh, there's still 13 stories. So that that stayed intact. When it came to the writing process, we basically gave the filmmakers carte blanche with what they wanted to do. Of course, they were given um, very specific guidelines, restrictions, things that they had to do in their stories, because and I'm not trying to talk down on this process, but there are some anthology producers out there that they make anthologies by reaching out to filmmakers who already have films sitting around or that have already been on YouTube for five years. I had a huge list of filmmakers that I wanted to work with in some capacity. So I reached out to them. I went through the list found the filmmakers that were willing and interested and had the time to do it and, and really kind of uh, gravitated towards what we were trying to do with 13 Slays. And then we gave them uh, creative control. So they basically got to do whatever they wanted within reason in the sense that like we had to approve what their idea was going to be because we didn't want, you know, people stepping on each other's concepts or having concepts that were too similar. Because I think something that, that makes an anthology successful is diversity. We wanted to make sure that every story, narrative-wise, was completely different from the previous sequence that you just saw. They would come up with their concepts, they would pitch it to us if we liked it, or if we thought there needed to be adjustments or changes or whatever, we'd make those. And then they would write a script, send us the script, we would approve the script, then they would move forward with getting their cast and crew and all that and, and then making the, the sequence. So they pretty much had, for the most part, creative control. But at the same time, we kind of we stayed in the loop to make sure that what they were doing fit within the overall core and structure of what we had set in place with the production. Oh, wow. That sounds like a pretty smooth process. Did everything go smoothly? You would think so. It's really interesting the way you approach an anthology film versus approaching a regular feature screenplay. It's exactly what you said, the creep show model of you have these compartmentalized stories. So it's very, very different in the approach. Oh, absolutely. I like to really kind of weave a story in and out amongst all the other tales that are being told. The issue that you can run into, and that was that was sort of my fear on this one, it was, it's pretty much my fear every time, but I like where you come back to, like in Tales from the Dark Side, and there's another one, uh, another more obscure anthology called After Midnight. But with those, they, they're telling stories, and every time they tell the story, they come back to the person and go into the story. And, you know, so there's this, there's this narrative that's unfolding amidst all the other stories that are being told. So it forces the person watching the film to not only pay attention and enjoy the single narratives that you're saying one at a time, but also have to think and pay attention to this other story that's unfolding over a period you know, of the hour and a half runtime that you're watching. And so that's the kind of storytelling with anthologies that I enjoy. 
But, you know, your fear is, and it was with 13 Slaves Till Christmas, because I wrote and directed the wraparound sequence that took place in the bar. So you're always wondering, like, are people going to follow the story? Whereas, like, after midnight in that movie, I think there's uh, four or five stories total. So there's not a whole lot of diversity. Whereas with 13 Slaves, there's 13 different stories. So you're not only being exposed to... 13 different six to eight minute individual stories with their own individual twists and characters, but you're also having to pay attention and kind of follow this additional 13th story that's unraveling over the hour and 46 minutes that the movie is. And thankfully, everybody, we had the premiere this past weekend, and everybody who was able to come out and kind of weather the current apocalypse we're all going through and check the film out, they were able to follow it. So, you know, you always worry, is it going to get too convoluted, especially with so many stories taking place? But thankfully, that's not the case here, and everybody had a really good time and thought it was a fun movie. So, You're so glad to hear that. I can't wait to see yeah. it. What is the most fun part about writing a horror Christmas hybrid film? I'm kind of a lazy filmmaker <laughs> um, in the sense that uh, I'll, co- I'll come up with an idea for something that I really like or I think that, you know, would be really cool to see. And then I really have to motivate myself to sit down and write it. I almost wish I had a remote control like click where I could fast forward through the writing process. It's not that I don't enjoy writing, but it, it, it is such a, a, um, a tedious process because, you know, you have to come up with characters and, cr- you know, create characters that are interesting and that the audiences can relate to or hate. And of course you have to create all this, these story elements from point A to point B. And um, for me, the process of filmmaking is coming up with the idea and then seeing the idea executed in, from a production standpoint, I love being on set. I love collaborating with other uh, artists and creatives and, and working with other talented people. And, and um, for me, that's the best part about making anthologies, because when you do that, you're working with a ton of people over the process of the, of the production. But when it comes to writing, it's, you know, it's always, is this a good twist? is this a good character? And then you'll write what's called the vomit pass, which is kind of where you sit down and, and kind of just throw everything onto the page. And then you have to go back through it. And then you start fine tuning things. And sometimes, you know, an idea that you thought was that you thought was good really wasn't. So then you have to kind of come up with a, a new idea. And sometimes that idea affects the rest. So you have to, con- so it's kind of a continuous, like I said, I think, I just think tedious is, kind of the best way from I know, I know there's some people who just absolutely love writing and sitting down and and the writing process and I don't necessarily hate it it's just I guess when it comes to that 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 process that part of the production aspect that's where I fall under the the category of someone living in a fast food nation where it's like I just want to I just want my idea to be on paper and be good so we can move forward to getting it to <laughs> 
shooting it and getting it on film and, and having the actors and being on set and all that. For me, it's the same with, with editing. I like editing more than I like uh, writing, but at the same time, editing is, is another one of those more longer, drawn-out, tedious, technical processes. But the difference between writing and editing is like with editing, you're actually taking everything that you shot, you know, and you're, you're bringing it to life and piecing it together, and you're seeing it become a movie. So at that point, it is a lot cooler i think than writing i'm so like you though with the <laughs> wanting to get it done right you write it and you just want to get it seen and it kind right. of shows because you do it all you're right you're you're a writer producer director editor and there's something to say about that in getting it done right because you don't have to wait once you finish it too long it's all up to you Whenever you decide to produce it, whenever you decide to get the directors together in an anthology film like this is, whenever you decide to edit it, you have control over that future of it. And it's kind of cool to have that control, is is it not? So the process of making a movie is not, as anything, it's not as smooth as just writing it, making it, editing it, showing it. There, there's so much more that happens along the way. Drama. Uh, stressors, unforeseen events, and things, you know, the, the, especially this year, uh, of all the projects that I've produced to date, 13 Slays is probably, or was the most difficult, and a lot of that had to do with two factors. One, a majority of the segments that were taking place were not being done locally, and so, you know, I, I'm... Uh, <laughs> I won't say I'm an evil taskmaster, but I'm, I'm very uh, anal when it comes to touching base and making sure that, you know, things are moving forward because there's a lot of, of cogs in the process and things that have to happen. And uh, I tend to set deadlines and things because to me, when you don't set some sort of a deadline, you leave everything kind of floating out there. And I've seen far too many projects fall victim to just not getting finished and that's and I I myself am guilty of having started a project and then letting it kind of uh, go away and and I had a stigma that followed me for a short period of time until I put myself back out there and got and and got a project done and in the can and um so I'm 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 fearful all the time that that if you don't set some kind of a deadline or have like a strict production timeline moving forward to get things done, you know, I'm really fearful that it's going to languish and and that's one thing you I don't want happening. Now you do all these Christmas anthologies or you've done a few and you've got this one coming out. Um Right. Do do you celebrate Christmas? Like if so, what is what is your Christmas like? Like what makes you get into horror Christmas movies? Like did you did you celebrate Christmas when you were growing up? Were there like knife throwing competitions or like murderous hide and seek games and after dinner or <laughs> what was it like in the in the uh, in the Starks household on Christmas? It was actually a very normal Christmas. I I you know if for for us Christmas was never like a religion celebration unfortunately it was more um more about getting rather than giving for me so i i i kind of grew up as a spoiled child i turned that all around on my own as i got older um but i mean christmas was was pretty normal it was just you know the decorations and the tree and charlie's charlie brown christmas and all that stuff on on tv so i've always been a fan of horror since i was really young I, i i wouldn't say that like i 
I can't say why I've kind of become the anthology guy or the even even a step further, the holiday themed anthology guy. It just those those were things that just kind of fell into place over the last several years. But uh, ironically, now we uh, we actually don't celebrate Christmas in our house. I'm married to a Jehovah's Witness. And I myself am not a religious individual, so so we kind of met in the middle where we'll we'll go to my mom's and celebrate Christmas. But I mean, historically, if you look at Christmas, there's a lot of uh, it didn't start out as a as a Christian holiday. A lot of the traditions that we celebrate actually come from uh, you know other religions, especially ones that that the Christians at the time uh, found to be heathens and and evil. Uh, they just kind of adapted some of those to try to br- bring people over into the religion, you know. So, um, you know, like Wiccans and things. There's there's different types of of traditions that the Christians pulled over. So we'll celebrate Christmas at my mom's house, but we just don't decorate our house and celebrate Christmas here because uh, she herself doesn't do it. And it doesn't bother me. We've we've uh, you know, like I said, found a middle ground. When I was growing up in you know the 80s and into the 90s. Halloween was huge and Christmas was huge. So oh yeah, every, you know, absolutely huge. Right? Yeah, it's like everybody decorated their houses, and they had the Halloween. best decorations too. Right, the Christmas right. and the Halloween decorations <laughs> in the '80s were the best of the best. Yes. And now people are yes. remaking all of those decorations to kind of bring back that retro feel, right? Right. But the sad thing is, is that you'll have when it, in the neighborhood, the neighborhoods I grew up in. If there were 10 houses, nine of those houses were decorated, and then there's the one dark house that nobody, you know, and if you went to go get candy at their house, they, they gave away like a mini Bible or something, and it's like, you know, but, but now, if you have, it seems like you'll have a neighborhood with 10 houses, and two of them will decorate for the rest of the houses on the block and and they'll overdo it and then no one else seems to really decorate and it's really sad you'll go through a neighborhood and there'll be like a few houses amidst a hundred houses and maybe one of them has like really gone out but then again you know i also live in the bible belt i know some people uh like as far as Halloween, anyway, some people look down on Halloween the same same way they look down on horror as like some evil stepchild or something. <laughs> yeah, but, and they, um, they, they, I agree with you though. They try to outdo like some of the houses. They they outdo it so much that yours the people next door are like, eh, you know, <laughs> just leave. Yeah, but <laughs> we don't need them to take do it. Anymore. And someone should make a movie like Deck the Halls. They should write a movie like Deck the Halls with the two guys that duel it out, but they actually try to like murder each other (laughs) it's like an an r-rated grumpy old man yeah exactly exactly (laughs) but i think that's that's one of the cool things about making a how like a a holiday themed movie because when you watch 13 slays everything is very christmas like when the horror elements are happening and people are getting murdered and there's bloodshed and everything. Um, I mean, there's just something about seeing blood in snow, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it really, st- it really sticks out. And sure. I think that that's one of the fun things that, that you, as a, as a, as a filmmaker that I get to do when I do something that's Halloween based or Christmas based is like the way that I feel the world should be the way, the way it sh- I feel it should be decorated on Christmas where everything's bright and cheery or everything's you know dark and scary on Halloween that doesn't really happen anymore you get to bring that back so 
Mm. It's kind of like, you know, when you watch Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat, that anthology, which is one of my absolute favorite anthologies. That, I mean, that place was wall to wall with Halloween decorations. It's 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 as if this there's a, you know, a par- you get to create a parallel universe where people actually care enough to go out of their way to fully deck out their houses and make it fun for the kids to go trick or treating. And, and it's just not like that in real life, especially nowadays, a lot of that's gone away, but it was like that when I was growing up. So I get, that's a chance for me to kind of bring that back and see, like, see how things were when I, when I experienced Halloween and it was, you know, new and fresh. That's one of the reasons why I'm really, really excited to see this film. Um, it's because I love movies like that. Like, I love the Halloween movie, like Hocus Pocus or Trick or Treat, where it's decked out. But I also love, now that you're telling me that, to see and feel Christmas, right? Even even if there's blood splattered all over the place. Right. I'm excited to oh, yeah. watch a movie that, that feels Christmassy, that reeks of Christmas in the decorations and everything, and gets me in the spirit, whether or not heads roll or not. It still gets me in the spirit, you know what I mean? And I love movies like right. that, right, Ariel? Yeah. PJ, what have been some of your favorite Christmas-themed horror movies? Oh, yeah. I really like, you had mentioned Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a huge slasher fan. Uh, my, well, once again, Michael Doherty, he made Krampus, and that movie is just an absolute blast to watch from all the monsters and the different uh, ways people get killed. And it, funny enough, there was, uh, in, in, in uh, Volumes of Blood Horror Stories, uh, in our Christmas segment, this character gets attacked by this person who has taken candy canes and sharpened them into spears. <laughs> I love that. Great death. Yeah, and uses them to stab somebody. And uh, the, the director, he came up with that, and he, he was so convinced it was uh, original and never been done, and we couldn't think of another time that it had been, it had been done either. So we were all really excited about that. And we, we were in the process of making the movie, but we hadn't made the movie yet, and Krampus came out. And in that movie, these uh, gingerbread men come to life. And when they do, they use sharpened candy canes to attack people. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware, PJ. Yeah, it's one we of my so favorite. It's, it, it's one of my favorites. It's actually a Thanksgiving tradition for me to watch Krampus to get in the mood for the holidays. But that's so cool that you thought that up and then it was realized in Krampus. Yeah, you know, and that that sort of thing happens all the time. Um, There was an article that had just come out where Seth Rogen is producing this horror film written by these guys. I have no idea who they are, but it's about these, these, uh, uh, it's like three teenagers who get sucked into a cursed VHS tape and are stuck in a slasher film. And about Ooh. 10 years ago, I had come up with this concept, and I've been talking about it forever, about these two stoners who get sucked into a slasher film and have to outlast the movie in order to survive. And they're horror aficionados, so they kind of know how things work. So they're, they're using all that to their advantage to try to survive being sucked into this, this movie. Stoner, stoners and Seth Rogen, those go together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no so, way. So this, so I've been sitting on this concept for like ten years, and there's nothing. There's been some, you know, it's like there, there was a, a movie a couple years called uh, came out. I think it, uh, Beyond the Gates or something like that. But it's about these people who get sucked into a horror board game, kind of like Zathura or Jumanji, mm-hmm. and uh, 
And I thought, I was like, oh man, that was close. That's kind of a similar <laughs> concept, but thankfully nothing like that. But then that popped up just within the last week and I was so pissed off. Well, this is such a smart idea for 13 Slays because I really have Thank not you. seen a Christmas anthology film. Question, PJ, what scares you? Oh, not much. Um, I think getting cancer and dying is probably about as close a thing. That is as, scary. <laughs> right. I think <laughs> that is terrifying. Know, see, I'm uh, d- truthfully, uh, death is my greatest fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's just it's for me. It's hard to. And like I said, I'm not re- I'm not a religious person, but I still assume that even people who have religion are still not thrilled about the idea of dying. So. Um, even if you believe there's an afterlife, there's just still something not thrilling about, <laughs> about dying. Yeah. So, and it's not, not even so much being dead, uh, is what I'm scared of. It's how it's going to happen. It's more like, you know, will I suffer horribly mm-hmm. and then die? So, mm. um, well, I, I, you know, this, this took a grim turn. Well, let's hope, uh, let's hope it's not yeah, death that, by candy cane. <laughs> exactly i'm terrified of death but i make movies that are filled with death Um, yeah i find that interesting too and it's almost like a a manifest you're manifesting these things but in a way to get over the fact that you're afraid of death but you're portraying it it's this weird it sounds like a weird psychological thing yeah it's it's one of those cathartic things where it's it's the closest I'll ever get to death without actually dying. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's taking the process of suffering. And, and when you watch it on screen, you don't, you don't see how much fun it is to actually kill someone. That sounds weird now that mm-hmm. I say it out loud. But yeah. it's like, <laughs> I like that pause after you said it too, the thing. That Yeah, there are it. things that sound weirder when you say them, but yeah, when so, you think them, they don't. Right, right. So there's, you know, there's this, you might see someone die on screen and it looks horrible and traumatic and, and it, and it lasts for 15 seconds. But when you're, but when you're on set killing someone, really it's everybody's having a blast. Everyone's laughing. Mm -hmm. The person who's dying is even having a good time, you know, the actor. (laughs) And, uh, and, and it, and it takes like eight hours to get a 15 second shot because there's the special effects and, you get, you know, there's the application process and all that. So, but the process itself is a lot of fun. But I think maybe that is part of it's kind of like when you die in real life, most of the time you don't bounce back. Right. And you don't, and you don't get to kind of step away and say, man, that was actually a lot of fun. But when you do it in a film, it's the closest to dying that you or, or the, or the actor or the people involved in the process of making it happen will really ever get to dying that we're aware of, at least if you're just missed by a bus and you don't realize it, you know, that's one thing, but it's the closest you'll probably ever get to death itself. But then you get to kind of walk away from it and, and have the next day and be able to enjoy life. And that's the fun of it. I agree with you there. That's the fun of it is you can walk away, you can eat popcorn while you're watching it and you can go enjoy Christmas dinner after you watch a movie about, you know, crazy maniacal Santa Clauses and elves, you know, running, <laughs> right. running amok. And I and I think that's really cool. I think that and that's I think to your point, that's why it works and people can get away with doing horror Christmas hybrids. I think we've we've come full circle here. 
that we, we've, we've right. actually dissected why <laughs> Christmas horror holiday hybrids work. Right, and I think the and I think the other thing too is with Christmas horror films, usually they're fun in the sense that you have a good time watching it. Because like with, I mean, Krampus has you know a few scary moments, jump scare wise, but the movie itself is a good time. It's it's something that you don't walk away from and say, man, that was absolutely terrifying, and now it really brought me down because of the seriousness of the nature of the story and everything. It's it's more of, you know, there's the comedy elements, and when the horror is there, they take it seriously, but at the same time, you're, you're still having a good time, even though these horrible things are happening in the moment. And that's one of the things that we do with 13 Slays. There's a couple of segments that are more dark and more grim, but the majority of the film takes the concept of horror on Christmas and, and does it tongue-in-cheek where... You know, with the, when the horror is there, it's 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 taken seriously. But at the same time, everything kind of surrounding those moments are are things you can can have fun with. And that was, you know, I when I did the wraparound and the end of the wraparound, there's a lot of horrible, terrible things that happen. But it's done so in a very fun way. It's done in a way that I've never done before. I wanted to kind of step out of my comfort zone and do things a little bit different this time. Mm-hmm. And it's thankfully it seemed to kind of pan out and uh, it makes it more fun to watch. We're so excited. Where can one experience 13 Slays this holiday season? We are doing a big pre-order push, uh, which will begin December 1st. Okay. So it's if right you around the screen- corner. Right, exactly. So if you go to screamteamreleasing.com, you'll be able to pre-order the movie throughout the entire month of December. And then the movie itself uh, will actually release in uh, January, courtesy of uh, COVID. So originally the film was going to come out December, but due to the, uh, the the shipping getting hit so hard with the pandemic and everything, a lot of stuff has been uh, backed up. So because of that, unfortunately, the film itself will come out just shy of Christmas. Throughout December, you can pre-order a copy. It's a you know it'll be a Blu-ray. And it'll have a slew of special features and things, and then uh, you'll you'll be able to finally get your hands on it and enjoy it in January. And you know we're hoping it becomes an annual watch for some people, but you never really know until it gets out there and you see what people's reactions are. So, so it'll be more of a Christmas present than something you can watch leading up to Christmas, which is cool in itself Correct. because it, you, you make it through the holidays uh, alive. You can live to see this awesome film um, once Christmas ar- arrives. So uh, I think that's super exciting and we'll all be waiting for that. And I, I know everybody should head over and pre-order it. I definitely will. Um, and where can people find you, PJ, if they want to reach out to you, say hi, See what's up. Well, the easiest way is to look me up on Facebook. I'm pretty uh, accessible. So you can just send me a private message. Um, you can also uh, go to bloodmoonpictures.com. That's uh, that's our, our website. We have a ton of stuff on there from media and press and bios, and trailers for our projects. And you can check all that stuff out. And then, of course, you can uh, look us up on Twitter and, and Facebook with Blood Moon Pictures that way. And, uh, you know, you can send us a message through through there. So I'm extremely accessible, much to the behest of my wife. It's, it's been fun so far. Thankfully, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't expect to ever be big enough to have stalkers. So I'm not real concerned about that. <laughs>
Well, it's exciting you're accessible. I know a lot of our audience members um, won't stalk you, but they will reach out to you and say hello, and uh, I'm sure they would love to do that. So thanks for for giving us that, and thank you so much for coming on the show today and kicking off our horror holiday season with us, and we wish you a very happy holiday season yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity and asking me to be part of this. It was fun. And uh, same, t- same to you two. You know, I hope you both have a very Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah or, or whatever it is that you celebrate and however you celebrate it. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Thank you, PJ. Thanks so much. Thank you. Head over to our sponsor, 1428th Street on Facebook. Uh, you can type in the search bar in Facebook, 1428ST. They have awesome horror art items, um, specifically these incredible knives you'll see when you get to their page. I would think it would make a really, really great holiday gift this season for the horror lover in your life. And they're offering our listeners 15% off their order by entering the code SCREAMWRITER. Ariel, how can everyone find us on the intranets? You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like Twitter, you can find us at ScreamWritersPC. If you're more of an Instagram person, you can find us on ScreamWritersPodcast. And if you want to be on the show or have any questions or comments, you can send us a message on our contact form on ScreamWritersPodcast.com. We both can't wait to be with you through this horror holiday season. And until next time, keep writing. And stay scared.